Hey, everyone, and welcome to We Gotta Talk. If you're new to the show, this is an issues-based podcast for curious people who want to see both sides of the story. I'm Sunny, an Emmy-nominated and AP award-winning TV journalist whose true passion in life is asking questions, talking to literally anyone about really anything. Join me each week as we dig in on one topic from every angle and walk away with a new perspective that just might change your life. Now... Let's talk. Welcome to this special episode of We Gotta Talk. I'm joined by a beautiful guest today whose whole vibe is about going there, really, right? So talking about topics that some people might find offensive or controversial or very third rail. Um, I have Taylor Ferber, who's the host of the podcast, Cancel Me Baby. Her whole vibe is just so energetic, and she really, really brings up interesting perspectives on her show all the time on things that are in pop culture daily. So we're going to dive into her Hollywood career, her experiences as a journalist in the world of Hollywood, which is its own interview in and of itself. She posed in Playboy, too, which, as you can tell, she is very gorge. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to also dive into a bunch of hot-button topics that I just can't wait to get her thoughts on. So, Taylor, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for the beautiful introduction. You're welcome. I and hear a home phone in the background, by the way. I'm also the proud owner of a landline. I have, yes. I'm so sorry. I I'm so sorry. I am, I am 105 on the inside. I would have a beeper if I could. So my landline is popping. I'm so sorry. Don't. I mean, I am the only person in my group of people to have a landline. And people are like, what is wrong with you? I'm like... Don't you like to just talk clean and talk like this? Like it's an old school vibe for me. I'm like this, like clean. It's just there's there's security in it. So I'm there with you in every way. Uh, yes. When you describe to people what you do besides podcaster, Taylor, could just just tell us your quick bio because you have done so much in media that I want to know like what your what you lead with when you tell people what it is that you do. Yes. So I was a red carpet reporter in Hollywood for five years. But I did it in a way that nobody else was. And I got the most, you know, high profile A-list stars in the world to act in a way that they wouldn't with anyone else and talk about things they wouldn't with anybody else. And I would I would use a selfie stick on red oh, carpets. That's and we amazing. Would, yes. And we would talk about, you know, fun, controversial topics. Uh, but I have been around the world. I've been on Marvel movie sets. I've reported for outlets like Fandango and Hollywood Reporter, Us Weekly, New York Magazine, Playboy, as you'd mentioned. I've, I've written op-eds. Uh, what happens but the pandemic, right, which shuts down Hollywood and puts us all into a spiral of existential despair. So <laughs> I end up uh, a red carpets. The entire industry just completely shut down. And I launched my podcast, uh, which is, again, really unlike anything out there because I take my experience in Hollywood, but I, I really get into these issues in pop culture in a way that just breaks out of every box that we are so over right now. It's not left. It's not right. It's not PC. It's just honest. And the thing I get the most is people saying, you know, you say exactly what I'm thinking, but no one else is saying it. No one is saying anything these days. We're scared out of our minds, Taylor, mm -hmm. to like be too mm -hmm. strongly opinionated on everything. So what was it yep. in you that made you want to go there? Because I know working in any form of traditional media that the line is so thin and when that shit is cut, you are gone. 
you are blacklisted. So like, how do you live? I, I joke <laughs> that I break out into like flop sweat when I think about these controversial topics, no. but you make your career about like really diving into them. So how mm -hmm. do you, how do you do it? No, like you guys don't even want to see my underarms right now. Like <laughs> it is a party. No. Um, you know, it's funny because before cancel culture was a thing, my work on red carpets was almost a preview of what it would ultimately become because mm -hmm. it was these, you know, A-listers, again, acting in such a letting loose, liberated human way that now they would just be they would, so buttoned they up would and die. scared. Yeah. They would they would implode on the spot, pull Wicked Witch of the West and just dissipate into thin air. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's funny because I went out to Hollywood with dreams, believe it or not, of being the next Juliana Rancic, Ryan Seacrest. Wait, okay? I've never heard that before. I so yeah, exactly right. I mean, who, whoever, and <laughs> um, and it, it didn't take long, of you know, for me to be out there to realize that that fluff, you know, surface level kind of thing was just so unfulfilling. And so I just went rogue and I pulled out my selfie stick as a one woman show and did it my own way. I love it. Uh, tell me some like crazy stories. I've listened to your podcast and heard about your Affleck brothers story and like how you really do like coax people out of their typical Hollywood shells. So give us some like crazy highlights over the years of people that we would know and some of your interactions with them. One of my favorite interactions I think was with Danny DeVito. And this is why, because again, it was this totally unfiltered, just human to human moment. And I love it because it's this kind of thing that would never fly today. Right. Mm. He was, it was on a carpet for it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Now I'm five two on a good day. Danny DeVito is shy of five foot. And I was wearing, I don't know who let me, who talked me into these, but these like hooker, you know, five inch Alice and Olivia pink heels. Never again. Major regrets. <laughs> but I was on my selfie stick and I kind of made a joke. This is awkward. You're kind of like your eye is at my boob level. This is an interesting thing going on here, right? Because he's playing around with my selfie stick and getting all up in it and right. having a good time. So he goes like this. He's like, we'll take your shoes off. Not in a, I'm going to say to not in a creepy way. Okay. No yeah. Harvey Weinstein <laughs> stitch over here. No, and no he's like, take your things. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. No pictures to be sold on the internet. So I did, I took my shoes off and we're just having this really funny, you know, fun interaction. And he's like, you're the one who was going on and on about the boob eye level thing. So not that it was anything groundbreaking, but again, I think it's just so much, it's like such a moment. And I had so many like that with men and women in Hollywood that, um, and it's sad because it wasn't even that long ago, maybe five years ago. And now like, that would never fly. So it says yeah, so tell, much. Tell me about that. Like, tell me about what's different now in Hollywood and, and like what you think made things turn the corner. I mean, people in Hollywood were already uptight. I was lucky in that I got the tail end of when they still were living a little, but the tail end. And I got really, uh, I was so over it because it was becoming excru it was like dental work, trying uh, to have any sort of fun, you know, fun, authentic interaction with these people, you know, three, four years after I started, they were, I could just tell Sunny, it was like a different, their PR would be hovering over them. Yeah. We would get, you know, notices beforehand about what we could and couldn't ask people. I mean, and I, you know, I studied journalism at Penn state and I not, you know, not that I'm shining my Pulitzer, but I also was like, 
like, from this Pittsburgh. Is not what I, yes. Yes. So that was also, like, okay. Yeah. I went to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. Anyway, I love sorry. it. Yes. Yes. PA. And so I just was like, this is not what I signed up for. I did not sign yeah. up to be, you know, your glorified publicist. So I want to get in there. You know, well, he, I, here's what normal people think. I feel like when they see these interviews, they're like, oh, God, well, you know, maybe not the most salacious questions, but at least we get to see them off script for a minute. But uh, like you coming from a journalism background and knowing that there's so much more content to mine and there's so much more like great perspective to get from these people who literally never give it. It feels like just like blue balls. It's like journalistic blue. Like we could have had it. We could have done this, but like they mm -hmm. just, you can, it's palpable. Their sense of fear at going anywhere, yeah. anywhere controversial whatsoever. Do you want to know what my wet dream is? I saw a clip the other day of Ben Affleck on a panel of other people on Bill Maher's show talking about, you know, the Pakistan conflict. This was from years ago. And I was like, this is my, uh, literally my dream moment, you know, come true. And, um, what I would love to do in the future, that kind of thing. But yes. I thought, like, literally imagine now. I mean, never. You have a better it's chance crazy. at winning the lotto. Like, I know. And yeah. I, mean, I wonder, I guess it is because of social media. They're scared of being called out. I don't know what it is. Because if, like we said, on, we just finished wrapping um, an interview on your podcast. But I feel like the line, like, we're all hanging by dental floss these days. And psst, if someone mm -hmm. snips it, you, like, gone for good. So is do you think it's that sense of fear they have because of social media? Like, who are they scared of? 100% social media. I heard so many stories of from fellow red carpet reporters who were vets. Like they were around for the Anna Nicole Smith days. So, you know, they saw some shit oh, and yeah. they would say, you know, what really ruined it was the cell phones because it's not even what they would say in interviews, but the things that they would do at parties and how they would act that they would never get caught doing uh mm. now which is not in my opinion like that's what drew me to hollywood was the you know craziness of it all like that is not mm. what hollywood is about like i'm trying to see some unhinged people over there like not living like us peasants you know and so they taylor's like really show me a coke bender ben and then we can talk <laughs> yeah i ben. mean ben, i mean you know, he's, <laughs> talk, right? yeah, he's good all right that was just a <laughs> A, a, an analogy people yeah, um yeah. yeah it's it's interesting and i do feel like it's just changed the way that we all consume media now i don't know i mean was there any experience that you remember again knowing that this was kind of before things got super intense with cancel culture in particular any interaction you remember that like was besides sandy devito that made you feel like god you know what i actually got to know that person beyond being an actor like who else was cool who was an asshole like give me the download on on who who's who in hollywood who is who? Okay. Um, Who's cool? Well, Let's obviously, you know, what's funny is obviously the A-list of the A-list, I find, are the least, they're the most guarded. Mm -hmm. Like, they have their entire entourage. Don't even try. Like, don't like even how try many to get people? near their pinky finger. Oh, God. Sometimes upwards of five, six. Oh, yeah. I would be in rooms with people. I remember one time I interviewed Demi Lovato and Joe Jonas, and it was like, it would be us in a hotel room with five people because you would have their personal publicist. You would have the person doing the event. You would have Pepsi because they were there, you know, to push Pepsi that day. You would have their dog groomer, their nail clipper. Like it, it literally, it talk about intimidating. But with that said, I find the most A-list um, are the coolest because they will give, John Travolta is an example, Matthew McConaughey. They both 
were so gracious in their time, understanding that this is a two-way street. Um, but with that said, they are so guarded. So we're not like braiding each other's hair. You know what I mean? That <laughs> kind of thing. Funny enough, I find that the up and coming kind of like wannabe C-list reality stars are the ones who are the biggest kind of um, dicks because I don't know if it's like you got something to prove. You have like a Napoleon wow. complex going on. Yeah. And that's what was so fascinating to watch. Like Bachelor Nation people? Like who are these, like this group of people? Like give us specifics. Yeah. And I don't follow Bachelor, which is hilarious given, you know, I worked for Us Weekly for years and I'm like, come again? The Bachelor, what is that? Never heard of it. But, um, but yes, like that type of crowd. Yes. I found were like the most uptight and sort of like pretentious, yeah. which is hilarious because it's like, I'm sorry, are you Meryl? Like what's, what's going on here? So, Respect you know, their craft, Taylor. Okay. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. I give you a lot of credit because as someone who was in the media world, actually, I was repelled by the idea of Hollywood reporting because I was scared that not scared of that. I just, I don't know how you deal with it. Like the people that love themselves, I'm not saying everybody is like this, but the idea of living in a world where people almost have to have an image separate from themselves to exist. It feels like a lot. It feels like multiple personalities that you're dealing with. And I give you a lot of credit for trying to sort of crack through because it's, yeah. it probably felt impossible to ever really get a true glimpse of someone in that world. They're literally trained to act like different people. So that's yeah. hard work. Well, that was what was so disarming and unique about the selfie stick method because mm -hmm. they would, I mean, I have a video when I first started with Vivica A. Fox, she's like, can I just touch up my makeup on here? Uh, okay. Okay. You know, Maya Rudolph, she's like, I'm just going to fix my hair. You know, it's not what they expected. And so in turn, they felt like it wasn't this stiff cameraman and the, and the, the whole setup and the, and the whole thing, they just thought that they felt like they could be, you know, real. So, yeah. Um, it yeah, was refreshing. I, I, I wonder if that's the direction that it'll continue to go in like as social media and like people create content, like from their devices directly. Like, I wonder if celebrities are going to continue to lean into that more. I guess the, the downside to that is they have their own channels now where they can just go on and do their own thing. So they feel less, do they feel less compelled to like talk to media because they can go on an IG live or something? A hundred percent. And I used to have this existential debate with friends of mine too, thinking our roles are obsolete because yeah. JLo, who I've met a million times and also her reputation of being a diva, I disagree because she has been not like, I literally sat on her lap once basically and talked Did about Aaron. Like warm vanilla in like gold or something. She just <laughs> just like, you know, it's so funny. I love how smell is always the first question. I interviewed Kim Kardashian and same thing when she was promoting her sunglasses line and she picked out a pair for me and we're posing together in this like bougie Bel Air hotel. And my mom, who is a Kardashian fanatic, although she'll never admit it, is like, what did she smell like? I love how smell is like the go-to. Do they smell good though? I feel like they must, You know, right? I don't actually really, some of them, yes, yeah. It's I mean, so they're funny. just like, you know what though I will say? is being this up close in person with them. And I try to capture this um, with my work. And by the way, my site is called Talk To Me Taylor. That's where all mm -hmm. these interviews are. But with seeing how human, even the littlest of things. So seeing, you know how women sometimes like are, I don't wear foundation, but you'll get the line here. Mm -hmm. on, yeah. Like Kim Kardashian had that. And I was like, wow, you're what not a medicine. Oh my God, this was right. This was 
just before the pandemic, not long ago at all. Yes. Oh my gosh. Is it, it was true like that Kanye she's like a, doing a, a tiny person? Like she's really I, teeny, tiny, <sighs> teeny, teeny, tiny, teeny. Yes. Yep. Yep. I don't, uh, what, what it is about, the, I don't know why they have to be fully subscribed. Like, I think it's the sister dynamic. I think it's like the, I don't know, like the Armenian, like being Italian, like a kind of vibe with how they communicate, but I don't know why I'm so infatuated with them. I, I, I do, do like you, as a grown woman, I'm like, I buy into it and I feel so weird. So you want to know, no, and you want to know what's funny actually is now that I think about it is their dynamic is kind of a microcosm of what I just said. The well, uh, the more well-known names are more gracious because believe it or not, I have had the best interactions with who do you think the most famous Chris and Kim and like never the other girls like can't be bothered. Isn't that funny? And that's no, yes. Was Courtney rude? It's not even like they just like won't do press or they'll walk by you or they'll and like Chris all day long will be like, not that it's anything substantive because she knows the media game, but she'll be like, this is great. That's great. We're all great. Head, shoulders, knees and toes. Like what? You know what I mean? And so it's just, you know, that's sort of reflective of. Well, yeah, they yes. got there because of that right there. I do love Kris Jenner. I, I don't know. I think she gets such a bad rap because she's a woman and people are really uncomfortable with women who go after what they want still for some reason. And I think she has crafted this empire out of her family, their raw talents, which are their like crazy emotions. And they're like, she's just done it. And I feel like we talked about this on your show too. There's a level of, if you're okay with accepting what you're willing to bank on, then go for it. Like if you want to bank on your beauty and your ability to sell a beauty product or a lipstick or you, a sex tape, like if you want to ride with it, sister, like I'm here for you because I think we all show up how we, how we want to in this world and people knock them for being like, Oh, well I could be famous too. You know, I, I, I respect them for like sort of leaning into who they are. I totally agree. And I feel like they don't pretend that there's something they're not. And that's what Mm. bugs the hell out of me in our current culture is like, okay, if somebody blew up over TikTok overnight and they're 13, do not try to convince me that they are a mega superstar and should be famous. I'm sorry, but the Kardashians are self-deprecating. I love when they'll be like, they said we had no talent and they don't pretend to be something they're not. And what I love, and I bring up the Kim Kardashian dichotomy all the time on my show. And this was the premise of the Playboy feature I pitched, which is don't put me in a box. Don't think that you know how capable and smart I am if I decide to show my body. And I love that Kim puts that on display. Like, I love that I'm seeing her G-string one minute and then the next minute she is like going to Harvard. Like, you know what? Multi-dimensional woman. So I love that. Why not? Let's, let's talk about your Playboy feature, which by the way, is it was very classily done. How did this oh. come about? And like, tell us more. I mean, you posed, was it seven total women? It was six journalists okay um yes and I like, had the idea oh go ahead Sunny. well no I was gonna say how did it come about tell us like how it all started I had an idea to prove this very um thing and believe it or not to my own admission the idea came because I found myself kind of judgmental of Instagram models mm-hmm. because I would be kind of resentful because I'd be like okay we're all competing in the same space like Instagram right I'm trying to do the substantive content Mm -hmm. that like sex sells. It is what it is. That gets all the eyeballs. Like, how am I going to compete with that? Right. So then I had kind of a moment of reflection and was like, well, you know what? You don't know. These women could be, you know, again, Yale graduates, 4.0. You don't know. You can't just by looking at them. Right. 
So I had an idea to prove, um, you know, you can be both. Um, don't write someone off based on what they look like. And we like to think we're so like, you know, ahead of the curve and progress. But when you think about it, even the idea of posing for Playboy, like number one for my own family is like, Ugh, right. What, and also I was, uh, you know, they were so supportive. My mom is like so prude. I'm prude in real life too, which is hilarious, but they have a signed copy. It's on their, it's a great conversation starter. It's on their coffee table. Um, awesome. but I had this idea and I wanted to, uh, Oh, what I was saying was it was still risking everything. You know, Hollywood is a place that like, I could see where some people would be like, Oh, that's so edgy and cool. But when you think about it, it's also like, I could have risked, everything and you know all these outlets I worked for could have been like where you know doing the news you did they could go where's her integrity where's her professionalism as a journalist and that was the point so mm -hmm. I had an idea to show you know why don't you know show your body and also express yourself another way with words with my writing because I love to write my friend said to me instead of just doing it yourself why don't you have it with a, a group of journalists who are women. And so I, I was already working for Playboy at the time. I'd pitched it, never heard anything. I was like pacing back and forth for a whole summer going, you know, I have this idea. I haven't heard anything. And this is how Hollywood rolls because overnight, all of a sudden it all happened. So I got an email basically from the head of editorial Playboy being like, we want to run with this. I helped spearhead it, reached out to all the women, saw who was on board. And then it all just came to fruition really quickly. So it, and the way it happened was so crazy because of all the things it was in the 65th print anniversary issue that was dedicated to free expression. Oh, so wow. the feature, yes. So the feature was called a new wave and it it's the whole idea is, does nudity discredit intellect? So we each wrote essays and all of us have our different niche. Like one was a sexologist. Um, you know, we all had our different thing. They called me the celebrity whisperer. So I talked about it from like a Hollywood vantage point and not censoring people. Right. Again, before cancel culture was a thing. So yeah. And it's online too. Um, and it's crazy because they stopped running playboy print issues like a year later. So it ended up being like one of the last, print wow. issues but it was always a dream of mine to be in playboy for whatever reason because of that like that power that idea of you know owning your power so yeah i mean you know we can lean away from that sometimes as women because i think there's this fear just like you said that it's a double-edged sword and that someone can so easily weaponize that right they can be like oh what do you know you're showing your boobs and but like when yes. you do lean confidently into it it has a completely different effect and somehow it's just all dependent on your vibe with it. Right. And I think you, you executed that the group of women did at least based on the images that I saw and, and the vibe of the whole shoot. I think when you believe what you're saying, then I think it, it, it slaps it, you know, it works. It was, it's crazy because if you read the essay I wrote, it was right on the cusp of cancel culture. And I even have a line in there that says, we're trying to silence people who don't agree with us or who, or who aren't in line with us. And the whole idea is like, if I choose to express myself this way versus, you know, writing the news you read, who are you to say, you know, who are you to judge? And it still has really opened my eyes. Like even I'm guilty of writing off a woman. Like I talked about this recently on my show, but Megan Fox, right? Mm -hmm. Ultimate sex icon. And I was blown away in a recent interview she did talking about how smart she was. And again, I'm like, I shouldn't be surprised given this concept, but it still continues to like impact yeah. my, how I look at the world and look at women. Cause 
they'll, they'll surprise you, you know? Yeah. We're the best. I, I really do say that like in a non-ironic way, like I feel like now watching two daughters grow too. like we, I joke and I say this all the time, the Walt Whitman line, I contain multitudes. Like you can be presenting in one way to the world, super sexy, super trendy, super whatever it is and have so many different sides to you, but it becomes convenient to like stereotype people or give them that quick descriptor. Yes. And so that's where we, we just, we kill ourselves over it. Like, you know, we hurt other women by calling them, oh, well, she's the bitchy one. And she's the one who's like super self-obsessed. And she like, I don't know why we do this to each other. Like we talked about this on your podcast. I don't, on the other hand, think we should blindly support everything a woman does just because she's a woman. But I do think more often than not, we really sell each other short and it sucks. Mm -hmm. And it's still, you know, it, and on the other side of that coin, which we also talked about on my show and I talked about on my show this week is now, this is where it's a fine line now is the over-sexualization, like everything yeah. and all women on it. Like it's too sexed out. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't want to say we're not progressed now. I'm like, is, do we need to reel it back a little bit? You know what I mean? But at we, the same time, yeah. we are sort of dinosaur mindset in that way, like judging the Kim Kardashians or even, you know, I know this is political and I'm not even like tied to it one way or the other, but like people mocking, you know, uh, Melania Trump for posing nude on the internet. It's that idea. It's like, okay, right. well then is she an idiot that like, you know what I mean? Right. So we're still sort of in that, you know, those boxes. That old, yeah. That old mindset. It really doesn't serve yeah. us. Let's talk about your podcast and you dig, dig into issues like this all the time, which I love on your show. Um, tell me what you hope to like get at every week with a new episode of cancel me baby, because you, you do mix in pop culture with politics, with newsy things. Um, what do you want people to feel when they're listening to the show? Okay. So as a consumer and this went for Hollywood to like rip when I wanted to be a Juliana, I always felt frustrated because I was like, why are people not saying what's real? Why are people not saying what's real? And it would drive me crazy. I mean, you are on this show, which is why I respect you uh, so much, um, which is why I basically, you know, made out with you in the episode we just did on my show. I loved it. But for the most part, <laughs> and I loved it, for the <laughs> most part, you know, it, the same thing happened in Hollywood. I was like, why are we talking about somebody's shoes? I don't care about her shoes or her pedicure. Like, why is nobody getting to what's real? And if for whatever reason, I don't know if there's rhyme or reason to it, but it would just annoy me. And so now my podcast is a vessel because I'm like, you know what? If no one else will, then I'm going to. I'm going mm -hmm. to say what's real, what I know to be true and have fun with it because it's very, my show is very irreverent and, and p politically incorrect, but it's smart too. And that's my hope is to make people feel like, okay, number one, I'm not crazy or alone for thinking this. And number two, walk away thinking about something a different way. What have some of the biggest sort of cancel moments that have happened over the past couple of years? Like talk about those and, and what your viewpoint is on them. I do want to save Chrissy Teigen for a separate discussion. So <laughs> the finale, she deserves yeah. her own. Well, no, actually, you know, we could talk about this too, but like, give me sure. some big moments over the past couple of years in pop culture where you think cancel culture sort of weaved into the conversation and um, whether or not you think in any of these cases that it was not, not warranted, but I guess warranted. Let's start with Chrissy Teigen. In fact, you know, the whole bullying okay. scandal, just the, the Cliff's notes version for anyone who doesn't know, which I'm sure you do. She was revealed to have uh, tweeted some nasty things to, um, Courtney Stodden telling her to kill herself. Very dark, very, very dark. 
I'm not on board with this at all, but um, okay, let's use her as an example. So in that mm-hmm. case, number one, was she ever really canceled? And number two, does she deserve to be in your opinion? Okay. So I have, do you want, the, so my experience with her that ties oh, into this? Yes. Hit us with all of it. So lead with that because I want to know like what's informing your perspective here. Okay. Yes. Because again, it's ironic kind of cancel culture before cancel culture, but funny enough, what, um, sort of before I was in the world of red carpet reporting, I was a writer. I was a writer at VH1 and per my style, I just said what I thought was true and was like, I'm just going to go rogue and go for this. So I had written a piece. This was five years ago. And do you guys know what it was called? It was called Chrissy Teigen is Twitter's biggest hypocrite. And I called her a hypocrite because she was going after people she believed were trolling or bullying her and what I saw as retaliating with even more um, sort of ruthlessness and bullying. Now, I am no way was policing her saying you can't do this or do that. But the piece basically said, you know, in my opinion, it's hypocritical to be saying you are getting bullied and then fuel that fire. Like you're a public Mm -hmm. figure. So in my view, either kind of, you know, walk away from it, knowing that you're going to get shit from people or, you know, stand your ground and say, you know, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to put up with this, but Mm -hmm. you know, you have all the money and resources and the, you know, one of the biggest platforms in mainstream culture, and you're going to use it to go after nameless nobodies. I mean, what kind of message does that send? That basically was the essence of the piece. Mm -hmm. So not that I'm defending trolling ever, but you know, and, and that, and that in and of itself was arguable, like what actually was quote trolling her. Right. I saw that one of the tweets that kicked it off was someone saying that she was hungry for the spotlight. And so in Not turn was like calling, right, I'm like, who is it, honey? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> right. So that, right. So that's arguable in and of itself. So right. it became this entire public spectacle because she saw the article, which by the way, my editor approved and approved of the headline starts going after VH1 publicly and then starts attacking me on Twitter uh, publicly. Yeah, it was. Give me verbatim tweets, Taylor. I need to know what she said to you. So this was so public. The pieces are still online about it. Um, Yahoo. Yes. If you just Googled Chrissy Teigen goes after VH1 hypocrite, you'll see it. But like Huffington Post picked it up. Yahoo News. Um, Hollywood Gossip, I think. Yes, you see it. So they have all the tweets. But, no, um, but they she have blocked her- me. Oh, my gosh. I think the Huffington Post article has the tweets. But at me personally, um, she blocked me that that day. So, yes. So, again, cancel culture because, guys, this is the twist. Even though it was approved, my editor approved it, because she went off the handle, VH1 basically tried to shut me up. So they tried to get me to delete – Um, you know, and I didn't say anything mean to her. I basically just said, it's my opinion, you know, like I would say now they tried to get me to shut up. They HR, you know, suspended me kind of like, let's make her be quiet and go away for a little bit. And out of principle, like now, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't care that she's famous. We both have a right to our opinion. And so out of principle, 
um, because she, they ended up ultimately caving to her, I uh, walked away and I quit with, I had just moved to LA. I had no family there. I had no job lined up, no nothing. I had like one roommate friend and I walked away. And then, I, uh, yeah. I will say this, Taylor, I'm searching this. I searched these terms, Taylor Ferber, Chrissy Teigen, Huffington Post, and nothing comes up. So she is scrubbing the internet of this. Maybe is she, I, that's a question. Cause I cannot find the original post at all. Maybe I'm using the wrong search terms. That was not a direct accusation. Hashtag don't come after me, Chrissy Teigen. It's weird. I can't find it. The most recent articles I'm finding, I can find it linked through okay. your site, but yeah, I can Got see it. Okay. on Reddit. Very interesting. I wonder if that's part of like, you know, a cleanup campaign because that's interesting. Yeah. If you, the last I checked, if you Googled like Chrissy Teigen VH1 hypocrite, like okay. it'll, and, and you know, and, um, the, and the sad thing is again, cancel culture before it's time is these sites like Huffington post. Um, they all defended her being like, yeah, Chrissy, what a boss for shutting this girl down. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, took to her, took to her side and then what, you know, cut to now, what a three, you know, what a mo a 360 moment that you can't even write because this whole controversy ends up coming out with Courtney, Courtney Stoden. I ended up penning an op-ed in USA Today that got national attention, not only recounting my experience, but also saying, in the end, what is canceling her actually accomplish? Mm -hmm. And uh, it just was a, a turn of events I would have never expected because when it happened, I thought my life was going to, and my career was going to be over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I do stand corrected. When you said Google VH1, it does pop up. The rap is the first piece on it. Yes. So. Oh, and the rap. Yeah. 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 Um, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, I've thought about that too. Like no one wants to be defined by their worst moments, but I, I can pretty confidently say I would never tell someone to kill themselves. Now, have I been pushed to react negatively? Yes. On social media, I've, you know, my joke is this is a monarchy, not a democracy. If you're going to come for me on my Instagram page, I'll come back usually, unless I think you're going to actually try to kill me. And um, so I do joke about that, but I, it's, it, it's very revealing about how far mega fame can probably push somebody because I don't think that would be in most people's repertoire to like, tell someone to go take a dirt nap. Now, do I think you can have an emotional or sort of spiritual evolution beyond that pretty horrific time? Sure. But that's pretty bad. I, I mean, there's just no two ways yeah. about it. You know, if someone told my child, to, I, they would never see the light of day again. Like that's a pretty nasty, nasty thing. That's that that's, you know, that is obviously coming from somebody who is, has some dark, <laughs> facets of them and narcissism right. perhaps I mean and I the reason I wrote the piece and I might I may have say, said this in the piece but I don't know because VH1 had me take it down is the reason it struck a chord is because I was you know bullied growing up in middle school mm -hmm. and high school um so why perpetuate the cycle if you're so not about it then right that's why mm -hmm. I wrote it and so seeing how this all played out I mean you're right this is just you know this is this is a far cry from you know you're hungry for the spotlight this is true I mean this is like terrorizing uh somebody but at the same time that's why, why I wrote the USA Today op-ed because what would and it's this whole cancel culture at large right having them write some faux apology you know putting them in a corner stripping them of projects what does that actually accomplish in the end? I think mm. that there should be 
more dialogue, more voices to actually move forward. And I say in the piece, you have people now where it's gone the other extreme where you have people afraid of saying the wrong day of the week because right. they're going to have to be held accountable. And that's right. what I can't get on board with either is this extreme of like accountability culture. Like that's where it's like, all right, we have to draw a line though at some point, like Chrissy antagonizing this woman is not the same thing as like mm -hmm. posting a political meme like Gina Carano did. And she got canceled worse than Chrissy Teigen. So that's where it's like, we've, we've gone straight nutty and blurred. Right. Lines. Well, she committed the ultimate crime, which is like expressing a conservative thought in Hollywood. It just like, is enough to like, it's like garlic to a vampire. It's like, like See, that's I, sad. It's great. It's crazy that it's still, you know, it's still that intense. I, as someone outside of the Hollywood sphere, I didn't realize that that was still very much a thing. They hate I conservatives. Mean, and like, let that soak in, really let that <laughs> soak in the fact that Gina Carano got fired from a high profile, The Mandalorian, which is a huge show on Disney plus for posting a political meme, which by the way, I'm a Jew and people were arguing it was anti-Semitic. And I was like, I can say this is, again, I'm not, I'm just personally not offended by things, but I'm like, this was not anti-Semitic. So you have this girl who is now like doing some scrappy, I don't know what, at the Daily Wire who lost her Disney job, but Chrissy Teigen over here who did something far worse is, you know, still getting praise. And so the whole thing is just so twisted. And it's really twisted. like these people need to reevaluate their priorities in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. it's really strange. It, you know, it seems to be like, again, from an outsider's point of view, that in Hollywood, you can't even sniff in the direction of anything that's like right of center without people just immediately wanting to like, like painting you in a broad brushstroke. We talked about this on your show too. It's like the gray area doesn't exist or even the desire for mm -hmm. conversation. Do you find that that is how it is generally speaking in that part of the world or is it just that industry is it LA is it Hollywood like what where is this coming from I think uh Hollywood definitely has that culture of don't even you know <laughs> don't even dream at night about something that leans right because you will be can and that you'll be canceled and that fear is real. I mean, look at Gina Carano. Unless you're like somebody who is such a goat and doesn't give a shit, like John Voight, who I've met and is incredible, um, they're terrified. And it really is so sad because it always makes me wonder how many of them are closeted and aren't saying how they really feel. And that's what is so crazy to me because I always say this, but Hollywood is supposed to be a place where different ideas like thrive and are brought to the table. And it's so like, narrow-minded right now and in a box and that's what's it's so sad it's what do awful. you think is a proper version of cancellation if there is one we used Chrissy Teigen as sort of the example here but if someone has done something whether it's on the milder end of the spectrum or the more serious end of the offense <laughs> spectrum like what in your journalistic opinion is a good way to hold someone accountable or maybe help them have a personal evolution without being like over over the top with it I don't think anybody, unless somebody literally <laughs> committed a double homicide or so, like, unless somebody committed something so heinous, I don't think anybody should be canceled. And I think that it's, I don't even want to say resolved, but we move forward by actually funny enough, not canceling people and letting them have their views and letting people hash it out. That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's what I think is actually 
<laughs> letting different views um, be allowed at the table. Because I think what happens is when you shut people up or you suppress them or you cancel them, I think it causes their like emotions to fester inside even more. So mm -hmm. I'm like, what is that? And I say this all the time too, but since when did we become like the accountability moral police? Like, I just don't like this whole idea of like, we have to correct somebody's behavior. It's like, okay, well, are you so perfect? Like, are yeah, you mother Mary herself? Like, uh, you know what I mean? I just don't like that whole idea. What do you think about the whole argument of being qualified to speak on a subject? Like there's plenty of issues oh these God. days where, you know, there are certain groups of people who feel like, you know, let's just say victimized for lack of a better term in some way. And you'll have a certain set of people who are like, listen, you can't comment on this unless let's use the Dave Chappelle and the transgender community. You can't talk about how, whether or not this is offensive because you're not transgender. Do you agree with that? Or do you think people can exist outside of a community that was quote unquote offended and still have a valid opinion? I couldn't disagree with that logic more. I think that we like, how are we going to coexist if we can't talk about each other? You yeah. know, like that to me makes no sense. What I will say though, is I don't think, I mean, I don't think I'll weigh in on this topics all day long on my podcast, but I would never say this person should think this, or this push person should do this. Like I would never tell someone what to think or feel or say, or what they should think or feel or say, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I do wonder too, like what type of genuine sort of evolution ever comes from cancellation. I did an episode on cancel culture a few weeks back and, um, it was with the author of a book. He self-identifies as a libertarian. But anyway, um, we, we discussed this too. And I wonder, like, I, I don't know, at what point we're going to be even comfortable, like, bringing this up without breaking breaking out in hives or, like, we joke about, like, sweating through this. Like, will our kids be able to, I know. that generation of people, like, actually make progress? Because sometimes the the... I don't know what people's version of accountability is. This one woman wrote to me on Instagram. I announced the topics of my show every Monday. And she, I, I asked, um, you know, what do you think is cancel culture a good thing? And, and one of the responses was, well, yeah, it holds people accountable. But then it gets in, like you said, into the subjective definition of accountable. And Ugh. this, you know, so it's interesting though. Some people really, really find it to be a valid tech. It's like public shaming back in the day, you know, some people yes. are into it. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. And actually a listener of mine um, brought this to the table. And it's crazy that this is a controversial thing to say, but what if there are some people who are just shitty, bad people? And that's, that's what I mean. Like, uh, 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 it, what? Like, do yeah. we all have to part the Red Sea and walk on water to prove that we are worthy of walking on this earth? And that's the thing. It's like, that's why the whole idea of this, like, accountability culture. Yes. What I like to see Christy Teigen I said this in my USA Today piece. What I like to see her, I don't want to see some apology your publicist wrote. Why mm -hmm. don't you write to you? You have millions and millions of followers. Why don't you get in a dialogue about these people, about what the whole thing made them feel and what it made her feel? Like get right. into a dialogue and learn about it. Do you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, what if she is just a shitty bad person? And that's just what it is. Like that's who true. are we to think that we can like convert everybody into this like holier than that? You know what I mean? Like, that's what? a really good point. That's a there's really a good part point. of me. Yeah, there's a part of me that's like, and this is the libertarian in me, which is like, just let people live. Like, yeah, who I are know, we? You know, that's so true. And there really is an altruism maybe behind that, that 
attempt to like educate people or let's yes there's like uh, a real good intention behind it right because you know you think okay if i can make you see this point and, and it i'm sure has changed people's minds before but it's like i was just telling my my kids this the other day they're in the stage of life where they're trying out for things and doing things and i had to, i was talking to my sister about this i said sometimes you just have to tell your kids you're not good enough to make this team and it doesn't mean you're not going you know like not in a mean way but like you know okay no. maybe it's like you know lay sometimes. it down to them sonny like no, sometimes <laughs> they need tough love i mean you and i talked about this but when we were growing up you know middle school or not so much middle school but high school superlatives most yeah. athletic best rest it's like these kids these days can't even hang and it's like you know what life is tough and sometimes you gotta roll with the savagery like right. sometimes I mean, you do like i wasn't you know i was never gonna be a star base or soft up players picking daisies in right field like my parents were like Sonny here's the line and I love it because I'm going to steal this from my mom to my kids she's like Sonny let me just remind you something there's always going to be someone better than you at something there's always going to be someone worse she's like you just have to get over it you are who you are you work your hardest but there's always you know like and that's it there's always going to be someone better smarter richer whatever and it's just like that is what it is but there must be some sort of like developmental thing that people miss out on from their parents or something where they're they're maybe they're coddled too much. I don't know what it is, but there's no knowledge uh, of the fact that like, you know, sometimes you're just, you don't know everything or sometimes you make a mistake or sometimes you are just awful in one way. And I'm sure I'm awful and offensive to some people in certain ways. And it just is what it is. But it took me to be an adult to realize that I'm 40 and I'm just learning. You know what? Maybe that person who's always rude to you is rude because they're just a shitty person toward, toward you and you're never going to vibe. Like I, it took me a long time to learn that, but it's true. You know what, Sunny? We're so far removed from that. And I say this on my show, and it's a reason that I do this. My show is that I welcome, we're, we're becoming, it's so counterproductive and it's so opposite of what this like Twitter mob, if you want a woke Twitter mob uh, crowd is trying to accomplish is one line of thought. You have to think like this. You have to say this exact word. You have to do this or else. And the mm -hmm. way I see it, it's it's kind of fun to not to disagree, but it's like, can we not bring different ideas to the table? I mean, some of the feedback, oddly enough, that I love getting the most on my show aren't the people who are, you know, high-fiving me and cheering me on, but are the people who are like, you know what? I don't agree with what you said, but I love that you had the balls to say it mm -hmm. and that you were real with it and you were coming from where you were coming from and that you mm -hmm. were just honest with it. I don't agree all the time. And that to me is like, right, okay, like we can disagree. Who thought? We I know it, it. I don't know. Is that are we conditioned as women to just like always try to make people happy? I don't know what it is, but it was a revelation to me that I can coexist with people that I don't agree with. I'm like, oh, and it's a new revelation. I just, I don't want my kids to be this late in life to feel comfortable in discomfort like that. But just that's, it's, it's a collective desire to be coddled and comforted, which is, uh, I, I think, behind this cancel culture and behind this accountability culture. Like it's a collective desire to be untriggered and safe. And like, don't yes. the, the college environments these days, like safe spaces. This is a really interesting argument too. And I'm curious to get your thoughts at a huge school like Penn State. Like, should universities be safe spaces for students or should they be places of education and, you know, mind expansion? I don't know. What do you think? I mean, you're, I'm, you're more recently in college than I was. I'm older than you. So I don't know. Things I'm scared to even ask, although I think I can gather. Well, what the <laughs> hell is a safe space? I'm scared to ask. Is it where you they know, like hog and cry in a corner? <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm scared. 
Well, you know, it's like when these speakers are invited to campus and people protest because this person has had a whiff of conservatism in their past or has has written a paper that leans mildly right and the students will protest. This is just an example of things that happen all the time. And they come out to the administration and they say, you know, I don't we don't want him on campus. He does not represent what we stand for. There's a, there's a viral clip from a Yale student. I can't remember what the topic was that the speaker was coming to campus to discuss, but she's screaming, crying. This is my safe space. I need to be safe here. Your job is to keep oh. us safe. And I'm like, if this was from years ago now, but it's a culture that's really persisted in college campuses. It's I know it is. Yes. It's, it's huge. I mean, this could be its own podcast, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Like, um, giving your parents, I feel like I know, but tell us. I think it's absolutely terrible. I actually, it's funny you say that. You remind me of a story I heard about a speaker. Now I'm totally butchering this story, but the idea was this man who is accomplished in his field, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if he was talking about COVID, I forget. But he was scheduled to speak at, I think an Ivy League. Mm -hmm. And because he had said something somewhat controversial. I think it was like defending biological sex, something. The school, this is that idea, took him off as a speaker, mm -hmm. right? It's that idea. And then another school ended up having him as a speaker um, mm -hmm. on the same caliber, another Ivy League. But I think it is so, again, it's this, are we in one a one track lane of thought or not? Mm -hmm. And the fact that college is so expensive and kids are riddled with debt for the rest of their lives for this shit is an <laughs> atrocity like that. And you know what? Funny enough, and this is a geek moment, but one of my favorite, I don't know about you, Sunny, but one of my favorite courses at Penn State was an, because uh, uh, I studied broadcast journalism, like I said, mm. was a course on news ethics. And they would present all these different, like, shocking and gruesome, like, pictures and stories. And it would be for uh, up to us, the class, to decide, mm. should this fly? Should this not? In what capacity? So if we let, that's just like, a, you know, a small example, but we have to have like we have, we have to have different ideas and thoughts and opinions. Mm -hmm. Like we, we just have to, especially at schools. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I said this to you during your show. I personally feel like my biggest moments of growth were where were moments when I was either in the minority somehow or challenged in my beliefs somehow. And it's mm -hmm. like I said, it's not like I always like, Oh, I'm converted. I'm now, but it, it just breaks open another level of self-assuredness or it, it changes your perspective. Like it, the, we can't shut down dialogue. We can, you can land where you land. If you want to stay on your side of the fence, fine. But like, if you can't listen to somebody, if you can't tolerate or stomach the fact that someone is physically setting foot on your campus that doesn't call themselves the same political party that you do, if you can't handle that, you're going to have a hard time getting through life in general. The It's right. I mean, this is just, yes, this is just part of it. And I would argue that I mean, I'm a defender of free speech, period. So even if it's disgusting, it's your speech. And I love this quote by this woman. Um, she is, oh gosh, this black woman, she's a senator, I forget where, but she's incredible. She's a Democrat. And she had this quote, I think this was like in the 90s, but she basically the essence is we don't want to shut them up. Let's just be louder because yes. what's going to happen is if we start shutting them up, then they're going to shut us up. And then who it's, a, it's, it's just a domino effect. And that's what's happening now. Now everyone's starting to be shut up. So I always say this, and this is controversial even to say, but even if it's like, you know, there was a guy at the 
riots with a Camp Auschwitz uh, shirt. And yeah, it's disgusting, but I'm like, I'm glad I saw it because I know that it exists. Right, right. I think, you know what I mean? Like, I think that, um, you know, it's disgusting, it's abhorrent, but I'm not ignorant now to the fact that it's out there. So that's what I mean, where it's, now it's, it's becoming past that. Now it's literally like you are punished for posting a meme. Like, well, yeah, and you know, it encourages to a degree, it encourages that type of awful behavior and awful expression because it becomes more like dangerous and it becomes more appealing yes. because it's forbidden. So now I'm going to be even more of a jerk because I, it's because I know I'll get a headline. Like it's, it's, you know, paying attention to the kid who's having a tantrum. You just got to walk away sometimes. Is that always the answer? I don't know. I think, you know, you can look back at the big movements that have really shaped our society for the better and civil rights movement being one of them. And you can say, Oh God, well, Sonny, if everybody was a moderate or a pacifist like you, you know, and there were no people loudly cheering from the fringes or from the outside, nothing. Yes. But there's a place in the world for those people. I, I feel like my calling in life, and it sounds to me like we're, the space you occupy to is a place of connection and being in the middle point. I'm so grateful. There are people who stand for what, because there are things that are legitimately right and wrong. And I'm so grateful that there are people and leaders and figureheads in the world that, that occupy that space so that I can do what I was born to do, which is help not never support the wrong side, but, you know, help facilitate conversations in the middle. I just think we're all born to be, you know, to occupy some sort of space in a general movement toward good. And we can't always all be these people waving flags on the end of each side of the spectrum. Like there's, there's place in the middle, there's space in the middle. And I don't know why that's bad to say these days, but I don't know. know. That's, that's what I think. And I love your point about, this is a point I make on my show all the time about, if you suppress somebody or punish them, that's just going to fuel their fire even more. And an right. example of this, which we really dove into on my show is the Dave Chappelle trans thing. Now, this is just my opinion, but I believe that joking and talking, no matter trans, no matter what group it is, right, is the way. I don't think that someone's going to watch this show and like go feel the need to harm or punch a trans person. That's me personally. I'm not Mm. trans, so I can't really say, but that's how I would take it. I feel it causes more harm. All of this uprise, take it down, silence him, punish them, because then it's that idea of that it makes people, you know, fester in that, like, okay, we can't even say the wrong thing or we can't joke or talk. So it makes them like resent that group even more. Yes, I I think there's proof to that. Yeah, I do. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. but I think that the tie, when you ask about Hollywood and the state of it all, what's interesting, Sunny, is I do think that the tide is turning a little bit. And the indicator of this was oddly enough when Dave Chappelle, after all this blowback, did a show at the Hollywood Bowl. And he was just shameless. And he was like, if this is what canceled being canceled is, I love it. Like shameless. And he had Brad Pitt in the crowd, Stevie Wonder, Tiffany Haddish, and they're all cheering. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's an indicator that people have had and that was after that show. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. This was recently. Yes. And I think that is an indicator that when I talk about people being closeted in Hollywood, conservative or not, again, Hollywood is a place that's supposed to liberate you. You and I know probably these celebrities and these actors are like, have had it with this PC. They're like, can we just live? Can we create art? Can we create jokes? Like, can Mm -hmm. we just, so I think it's slowly happening, but I do think that shows the tide is, it is coming slowly but surely I think what are we gonna talk about when this is all fixed Taylor oh people are gonna have it all figured out and then we can't bemoan cancel culture anymore (laughs) 
I think about that all the time. I think because right now someone said to me, they're like, I feel like your show is like your own form of rebellion against this whole thing. But I think about it and I'm like, it's still pushing boundaries and having open and free dialogue, just not in a culture that's so psychotic yeah, and unhinged. Yeah. Well, I absolutely adore uh, your whole vibe. And I'm really grateful that you came on the show. Taylor, thank you so much. Before we go, please, please tell us where to find you on all of the channels and how we can tune in. I respect you so much. I feel like you're my soul news broadcasting sister from another mister i'm I'm her nerdy twin sister from what that's like 10 years older i don't even know i don't know if you could say sister or mister anymore but you know what sunny you are my sister from another mister and i I, I self-identify as female i'm a cisgender woman i lean into my womanhood yes and so i um i appreciate what you're doing so much and i really say that um i am at talk to me taylor across the board, IG, talk to me, Taylor on YouTube and online. That's where you can find all the selfie interviews I was telling you guys about. And my show is called cancel me baby. And it's on, um, iHeart and Spotify and IGTV and all the good things. Awesome. Taylor, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Sunny. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. 